all the verses in the Bible are important. These verses are vitally important as far as uh, in scope of the centrality of the doctrine that we uphold to. And this is what is being introduced and spoken about in 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And the Bible says in verse number 1, Now the Spirit, that be the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly, that means pay attention, that in the latter times some, not all, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And this departing from the faith is what we would call, we've all used this term, apostasy, right? We say, oh man, they've gone apostate. That's, and we, we understand that um, to mean that when you depart from the faith, you, faith you've abandoned what you've previously held to. That's what apostasy is. And so you've held to the truth of the gospel, and now you've departed from that, and that's what this chapter is talking about. Saints, church family, we cannot leave what we are adhering to. And it is just as current as it was in, in Timothy's day and in Paul's day, this verse is just as current for us now, probably even more so because there are so many departing from the faith and we mustn't do that. We must hold the line and we must stand fast and let's not, let's not depart from the faith. Now, apostasy will show up in one of two major ways. One is licentiousness, and the other one is legalism. Two of those are departing. And whether it's licentiousness, it's just a license to sin, or whether it's legalist, um, it doesn't matter which one, which ditch you fall in, both of them have self as the center, not Christ as the center. The person that just says, hey, you've got a license to just do whatever you want to do. That person is against the legalist because the legalist says, you can only do what I tell you to do, and if you do anything else, then you're not right. And both of them have themselves at the center. And we can't do that. We have to have Christ as the center Always, always, that's the question. Is Christ at the center of this? The legalist and, and the person that just gives the license to sin, both of those camps robs the believer of a healthy relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they miss out on the grace that's involved in the inward relationship that all believers should have with Christ. Legalism will lead to a spirit of pride. That's why legalism is attractive, because it builds up self. And we all need to be careful about that. 
The legalist is all about controlling everything around their environment. And when you talk to a legalist, they will always have a spiritual reason on as to why they have to control every element of their life and others' lives. I don't want to be a pastor that's a legalist. That's why I'm not going to come over your house and say, you got to do this, you got to change this, you got to make this, you got to get rid of... Preaching on standards or preaching on a separation or preaching against sin. That isn't being a legalist. That's preaching the Bible and teaching the Bible. But the legalist demands that you do it their way. And if you don't do it their way, they're going to make you do it their way. <laughs> and that's a problem. That's a big problem. Now, on the other side of the road, there's the ditch of licentiousness. That also is spiritual pride. The person that just gives you a license to sin, it's just loose morality. It's loose Christian living. It's what you see in the modern megachurch. Both of those camps or both of those ditches on either side of the road all fall under the category of departing from the faith. Where do we need to be? Right in the middle of God's will is where we need to be. <laughs> That's where we need to be. The legalist has to control everything. The person that the licentiousness, the license to sin, they don't want to control anything. <laughs> you just go ahead and do what you want. You're just free. It's grace and God is love. Go ahead and have at it. And each one from those camps will call names at the other. They'll just fire shots at each other. But both of those would be departing from the faith, which would lead us or lead the Christian into seducing spirits, doctrines of devils like we see in verse 1. What do we see in verse 2? It will create hypocrisy. It will affect our conscience. See that in verse 2, the conscience? And all of it causes distrust. If I were to tell you that the Bible says you shouldn't lie, I wouldn't be a legalist. I'd be preaching the Bible and teaching you what the Bible says, right? But if I demand that you never tell a lie again if you're saved or you'll lose your salvation, now I've crossed the line into being a legalist. If I, as a pastor, would require every couple to check in with me every week so we can go over all of your lies and I can just beat you over the head as hard as I can until you go home like a whipped pup, that would be a legalist. Does that make sense? I would be a licentious pr a preacher if someone came to me and they're having problems in their relationship because one spouse is lying about things that they shouldn't be lying about. And then I say, well, don't worry about it. You're just under grace. <laughs> Do you see both extremes? Both of those cause would cause us as Christians to depart from the faith. So let's not do that. Let's be aware so we don't fall into those ditches.
The true church will put both of those away. And I'm asking us to make sure we're aware of that. Relationships start to fall apart with legalism and licentiousness, either one, because trust is diminished. And relationships are built on trust. And it's the heart and soul of a church that we trust what the Lord says. So Lord willing and God helping me with the Holy Spirit inside of me, I want us to always go back to, is this in the Bible? Do we have, I saw a meme this week, came up on Facebook. It said, um, chapter and verse, please. <laughs> Real short and sweet. Now that's, I don't want to live my life with Christians cliches that we know how to say, but we don't have any desire to live. I really want us to try to live by what the Bible says. And if I preach against something and that something is in your life, don't immediately call me a legalist. Check it out for yourself. Now, if I'm forcing you to do something and I'm just, you know, I'm just beating you over the head like it's come on now. Okay, pull me aside. We need to talk. But the reason we're opening the Bible and the reason I'm asking us to just trust God's word is so we don't depart from the faith and we don't fall off into one of these ditches of either legalism or licentiousness. We should be committed to trusting what the Bible says. Biblically, a biblically practical life rather than just something that's man-centered pragmatism. I really want you to be inspired by God's word and his Holy Spirit to live for Christ, not just show up. Well, it's Sunday at 11 and the alarm went off. We need to be in our spot. I want to be in my spot. <laughs> when my alarm goes off, I know where my spot is. But. What am I doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Am I living for Christ during the week? And like I said earlier, before we started the message, I'm thankful that we have a body of believers that want to that live their lives for Christ, not just show up. They want to build real relationships. I will, as a preacher, I believe it's my job, my duty to compel you. And if you're preaching, men, I would expect you to compel me. And we were at a uh, campus last couple of days and uh, it's great. I get to sit and get preached at. And then I, you know, I get a turn, I get to preach and, and then I get to sit in fellowship and I get to hear someone share some things with me. And then, and then I get to sit um, the next day and with someone, I get to share some things with them. And that's the way it ought to be. But the minute either side starts demanding you, you, I'm demanding you. Whoa, what is this? It's not the Holy Spirit. That's called a departure from the faith. Go to Philippians 1 and we'll talk real quick about the faith that we should not depart from. Philippians 1, 27. It says, only let your conversation be 
as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together, here it, here it is, here's the phrase I was looking for, for the faith of the gospel. And it's, and it's a blessing. It's a blessing. I, it, it blessed my heart when, I, I'm, you know, Tuesday night and the, and the preachers are talking and, hey, how's it going to your church and what's going on and, and this and, 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 and outreaches and all this. And it's a blessing for me to be able to say, you know what? I'm just thankful. We have a small flock, but I'm thankful we've got a group of folks out. It's going to be cold, but they're going to be out giving gospel tracks out. I am thankful. That's a blessing, especially how small we are. Now, you get a church that's got 300 people or 400 people. I mean, okay, well, that's kind of a given. You know, you got enough people to go around. But a smaller flock, that's a blessing. Let's strive together with one mind. And I've said this before publicly. I've said it before privately. I've been speaking to people over the past couple of years about this matter. If Look, we do a lot of outreach. And we strive together on that. But if you can't do something, I am not here to make you feel guilty about not doing something. Now, here's the other thing. Do you know that 20% of the people do 80% of the work? So when a hole isn't filled, the 20% wants to come over with their shovel and fill the hole. <laughs> but it may be time for that 20% to say, you know what? I don't have to come and fill this hole. I don't have to do everything. Why? Because I don't want you to guilt yourself into doing something. And I don't want to guilt you into doing something. And I don't want you to guilt me into doing something. <laughs> well, the preacher shouldn't have gone to the meeting. He should have been at the outreach. Well, they shouldn't have been working. They should have been at the outreach. How about no? No. <laughs> We shouldn't guilt each other. We should strive together with one mind for the faith of the gospel. Let's, let's live in Holy Spirit harmony. And um, doctrines of devils, let's go back to 1 Timothy. Doctrines of devils. Is at the end of that verse, um, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Um, when I grew up, there was um, there was Friday night bingo, and then every year there was the church carnival where they had a, a a booth where they sold beer. That was at the Roman Catholic Church. What is that? Doctrines of devils is what it is, and I'm not being mean. I'm just shooting. As my old friend John Douglas used to say, shooting from the hip. Growing up, we were told we would call the priest Holy Father. We were told that we needed to understand that a Jewish girl that was greatly used by God was sinless and was a mediatrix. What do you call that? Doctrines of devils is what you call it. No disrespect to Mary at all, but she wasn't sinless. 
But when that church teaches that, that's departing from the faith, and that is a doctrine of devils. When I was growing up, I was taught that when somebody died, they went to purgatory. And if we prayed enough prayers, they would get out of purgatory a lot quicker. Now, if you had a loved one, that pretty much would secure your prayer life. <laughs> but that's not biblical. That's doctrines of devils. We were taught growing up that if you gave money to the church, your loved one that was in purgatory would get out quicker. It's a pretty good way to confuse people and get them to give to your church. It's a multi-billion organiz dollar organization, folks. But that is doctrines of devils. And go to 2 Corinthians. We'll look at Let's look at that. 2 Corinthians and 2 Peter 2. Second Corinthians will do first. And then 2 Peter 2 will do next. 2 Corinthians 11 first. Verse number one, would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And here's the verse, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Getting back to what I said early, earlier, the Roman Catholic Church tries to convince people that they are safe if they're part of that church. That's a beguiling. That's a doctrine of the devil. As the serpent beguiled Eve. How did he do it? How did he do it? He didn't do it with social media. And he didn't do it with all the dangers that we see out in the world. He didn't have any of that, but he had something more powerful. A deceptive beguiling. And we need to be careful of that so we don't depart from the faith. And end up in doctrines of devils. Let's look at 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 2, look at verse 14. The Bible says, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. And here's the word again, beguiling unstable souls and heart. They have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray following after the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But the phrase, you see that phrase again, beguiling unstable souls. Parents, grandparents, think of your child and the instability that they have. They need you. Now, there's going to come a point in life when they won't, 
but they need you. They're unstable. They can't drive. They can't critically think through things like you can. Now, take that application and look at a babe in Christ. You've been saved for 14 years. You've been saved for 25 years. You've been saved. John 3.16, you've been, how many times you've been over that verse? But somebody that get newly gets saved and starts reading John 3 all the way through and they start to pick out a verse and they're like, wow, did you see this? Isn't this awesome? You better get excited for them. <laughs> it's old hat to you, but you better get excited for them. <laughs> And you better care for that new babe in Christ because they've got some uns they've got some instability if if I'm saying that right and they can easily fall into doctrines of devils that you never would because you've been in church your whole life you can spot it out but that babe in Christ can't they're saved and we need to be able to to rally around them so that they don't tip over and end up in something that they shouldn't. And a lot of that is time spent, prayer spent, and just caring, caring for them. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 4, and uh, we'll start to, start to wrap up here. 1 Timothy 4. We talk about creating friction and tension. Hidden agendas and politics and all that nonsense. Look at verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. The gossip, the conflict, the infighting. All of that surrounded around speaking lies and hypocrisy. All of it. All of it's bad. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They're just, people just become hardened to sin. And seducing spirits will lead you that way through hypocritical teaching or hypocritical living or lying. And it causes people to embrace false doctrine and causes them to depart from the faith. And this is, it doesn't matter if it's the people or if it doesn't matter, it's the preacher. It don't matter when it's my opinion or your opinion or it's my way or it has to be your way all of that all of that divides it should be God's way if you two brothers have a problem we don't, we don't need the hypocrisy we don't need the lying we don't need any of that we don't need any of it what we need is for you two to agree that the preacher isn't on any of your sides the preacher's going to be on God's side. And he's there to offend everybody. Biblically. Biblically. Not rudely and harshly. But lies. Lies divide. And Christ, the truth, brings people back together. But you see, isn't this interesting? Like... Why doesn't it just say speaking lies? I mean, isn't the kind of... Isn't a liar a hypocrite to begin with? Like, <laughs> it's almost like it's a layer of lying that is so hip, that, that it's so deceptive that it's just so masked so well that it looks so great. 
But that is an interesting phrase. Um, I'll go back to the Roman Catholic system because that fits this. Because being brought up in that, I really believed the mass. I believed that I needed to go to a priest to have my sins absolved. I believed that Mary, a young Jewish girl, was the mediatrix between me and God. It took me a while to work through all that. Why? That's that hot iron searing. You become numb to other things. And praise God, I got saved. Praise God, I finally came to the realization at 27 years old that I don't need the Roman Catholic Church to find safety. I can find safety in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen. I didn't need the statues. I didn't need the relics. I didn't need any of that. And I praise God for the salvation he's given me. Hypocrisy and hypocritical lying, that phrase there that we see in verse number two, speaking lies in hypocrisy. As I thought about it, it's not that people aren't sincere. Sometimes it's like, do you know that you've told a lie and, you know, you're your kids, you know, you're lying and you want them to admit that they're lying and they admit that they're lying. But some people especially in false religion. They're sincere. They're not trying to deceive you. But they're speaking lies and hypocrisy. They have been deceived by their own lies. And we need to be sensitive to that because they don't even know that what they're teaching is wrong. So if you just go and insult them personally, it's not going to go over too well. Believe me, I tried it. After I got saved out of Roman Catholicism, I thought it was my goal in life to let every Roman Catholic know that they were just dead wrong. You know how that worked out for me? Not too good. <laughs> not too good. <laughs> not at all. And if I can go back and do it over again, I would. And I've tried in some situations. But your first impression that someone has as a Christian, it better not be the way that I did it. Just coming in with a baseball bat and just swinging it with anything that's moving. It's not good. People have dedicated their lives to the religion that you want them saved out of. And now you're telling them it's wrong. It's hard for them to walk away from it. They have been trained in a system or a philosophy or a way of thinking. And if they leave, they are publicly admitting that not only they are wrong, but all of their relatives and their friends are wrong. They're now coming out publicly and saying that that's hard to do. We must be sensitive to that. Conscience seared with the hot iron. That's what hypocrisy does. It's 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 hardening. It's. It's when you're cauterized, it's called. You put a hot iron to your skin, it's cauterized, they, they say. It becomes hard and it, it loses feeling. You can put a, a, a needle or a pin in that callous skin and you won't feel it. That's what happens. Dead to sensitivity. And this is why people practice 
false religion without any concern at all. It's all they know. They're dead to anything else. The Holy Spirit can quicken and bring their spirit alive. So you end up in these verses, people that are knowingly deceiving others, but also you end up with people who are unknowingly deceiving others. The knowingly, to me, it's, you know, the Benny Hins and the Steve Furtick's and all these guys that are trying to make millions off of weak-willed and minded people. But that ain't everybody. I remember just thinking now of some sincere Roman Catholic priests that I honestly believed in my heart. They were not knowingly trying to deceive anybody. It's just what they knew and what they taught. They're dead wrong. It's doctrines of devils. I'm not saying it's not. But they had no, no idea. And so people indulge in this, in, in religion, and it, but it's under the guise of Christianity, but it's not. And so now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Let's not that be, let's not let that be us. Giving heed to seducing spirit, let, let us be aware of the spirit of legalism, the spirit of licentiousness, and doctrines of devils. Let us be aware of false doctrine and false religion. Let us be sensitive to those speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. We should be sensitive to all of these things so that we, as a church body, do not depart from the faith. Mm -hmm.